everyone, I'm Kenneth, and welcome back to Forward, the podcast on Christian growth. Um, today is session six. Um, before we get started, I want to let you know that we are on Facebook. All you have to do is look up Forward Christian Growth and also on iTunes. So check us out on iTunes if you're listening while you're going to work. You know, most of the uh, podcasts are around 20 minutes long, so it's excellent for that morning drive to work. So today's podcast is in a response to a BuzzFeed video that I saw entitled um, Questions Christians Have for Other Christians. Now I watched this video, you know, two or three times over and over again, and there was a a few things that really kind of stood out to me, and I could draw some conclusions from the video as a whole. Number one, if these are true Christians that are asking these questions, they're they're very young in the faith, or have no understanding of God's word as a whole. I mean, the whole Bible as you know as one thing. Um, it, a lot of it has been picked out and used out of context and and things like that. Now, number two, I saw that a lot of the questions were not legitimate questions. They're not sincere. They were attacks or jabs, you know, not real questions at all. Um, which I guess you can kind of expect from liberal media type outlets and things like that. But the reason I, I'm making this response to it is because I did see some legitimate questions in there, some sincere questions and some questions that need to be answered from you know from the Christians today because there's a lot of misconceptions out there and uh, I firmly believe in that there's four types of questions um, there are you know ridiculous questions that that Christians get asked that it's not worth even talking about there's of course there's attacks uh, disguised as questions there's traps that want to trap you into stuff and of course, lastly, there's actual sincere questions. And I'm going to try to answer these from my own point of view and my own experience as if these questions are sincere. Um, although, obviously, some of them aren't, and you'll kind of get that as we go along. Now, there's 25 questions here. So this may take a few minutes. Hopefully, won't uh, we won't go past the 20-minute mark, and uh, you can get to work on time. But um, let's just go ahead and jump in it. So, number one. You know, is God freaked out over a Starbucks cup? You know, I'm going to have to say no on that one. And very few Christians actually were. You know, I think that was a media hype that was just blown out of proportion. You know, I think God could care less over a red cup. You know, it comes from Starbucks who promotes all type of uh, liberal uh, and also sexual immorality with their commercials and things like that. So God kind of expects that from that type of environment and from those people. Um, Question number two. You know, Christian music always sounds like a mix of Nickelback and Third Eye Blind. So, um, as I was reading this out loud earlier, my eight-year-old said, you know, because it sounds good, Daddy. (laughs) So, you know, some Christians like that music, some Christians don't. I think that's a blanket statement to say that all Christians do. Um, I know a lot of Christians that love the old Southern gospel music as well. So, I don't think that's actually a, uh, a good question. So, number three. Do your devotions actually happen if you didn't post about it on Instagram? And I would also add in there Facebook as well. You know, now that's a good question. It, it sounds like a jab at first, but it's a good question. I mean, you're posting your devotions on your Instagram or Facebook. Are you actually doing them or are you putting them out there for see, for other people to see? I hope that you're sincere with your devotions. You know, that's one thing 
I really believe in is spending that time with God and, and kind of listening to what he has to say. So um, the answer to that is let's hope. Let's hope that it's real as well. Number four, why do we as Christians love Tim Tebow? <laughs> um, I think the reason is Tim Tebow stood up for his faith when he was in an environment that did not support him. You know, of course, they're going to come attacks on him just for being a Christian that other uh, religions don't get. You know, so I think that's why we kind of stood behind him and that we we're proud of him that he stands up for his beliefs. In fact, I believe here recently uh, his uh, model girlfriend broke up with him because of his uh, insistence on abstinence. Number five, why can't you just pray? Why is there music playing in the background? I'm assuming this is at church and a lot of times there do this. You know, when the the pastor prays or somebody prays, there's music playing in the background. You know, that's an obvious answer to that. Music stirs the heart, stirs the soul. That's why David used it in the Old Testament a lot. They played the harp. You know, it gets your heart in the right spot as you're praying to God to make sure your mind is in tune with what you're saying. You know, that's a pretty simple one, and I think that was just a silly question. Um, Number six, why is everyone still supporting Donald Trump? (laughs) So... I honestly don't know anybody, maybe one family, maybe, I think, that supports Donald Trump. So, once again, a blanket statement that does not apply to everybody. Um, A lot of these are media-driven, it seems like to me. So, number seven, why are we afraid to talk about sex? I don't think we're afraid to talk about sex. You just see it so much on TV, on radio, uh, selling soap, selling everything, because, you know, I'm in retail, and one of the... uh, the quote says, sex sells. You know, so we're not really afraid of talking about sex. What we don't want is sex going, uh, taking this prominence in our society to where even our children are seeing it in their cartoons and things like that. Um, sex is good. It's meant to be good between a, a husband and a wife. Anything outside of that is sex or immorality, and that's not what God created it for. So, uh, why do number eight, why do we love Chick-fil-A so much? I, I have to be, I'm one of the few Christians, I do not like Chick-fil-A. You know, my wife is astounded. But, uh, I, you know, I don't enjoy Chick-fil-A sandwiches. But I think they frequent it um, a lot because it is a Christian organization that, that makes no excuses for that. And that's a, that's a good thing. You know, we should not, you know, back down whenever our, Christ, our Christian views are questioned. We should have a defense. We should say, hey, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I love God. And uh, I love you too. Uh, number nine, why do you think Facebook is an appropriate place to discuss theology? So I, I would answer that with a question, you know, to you, what is appropriate? Where is an appropriate place to discuss theology? Should, should it only be in seminaries? Should it only be in, in church? You know, we're to give uh, an answer no matter what. We should be ready in all seasons. So that's Facebook, Instagram, that's anything to discuss theology. You know, and not argue about it. There's no reason to argue about theology. There's some people that I'm not going to convince of my Christian beliefs that it's true. Um, and those people, I just have to live and let live. Continue to love them. Continue to pray that God would soften their heart. Be there for them when they need me. Um, but yes, Facebook is very, definitely appropriate. One day we're going to stand before God. And if you read the truth on Facebook, it's just like hearing the truth to your face. So why when Paul, that's number 10, why when, why when Paul says we have individual gifts, you know, must we fit, or we must, why must we fit into a perfect mold? And, uh, 
you know, my answer to that one is none of us are perfect and we're not going to fit into this perfect mold that some people put us in. And there are people that what we call better than thou. You know what I'm saying? There is no perfect Christian. There is no perfect mold. Now, there are certain things that God requires of us, you know, sexual purity, you know, justice, you know, doing what's right and things like that. Um, hopefully you're not talking about those that we should steer away from those, of course, because we should always be trying to attain those. You know, now the perfect mold would be Jesus. And we should all be striving to be like him. Number 11. Why are Christians known more for the things we hate than our acts of love? You know, because that's since the world hates Christians and you'd be naive to think that they don't. That's what's pulled out. You know, uh, only the, the, the things in the past, such as the Crusades and things like that, are ever brought out about Christianity in the media. You know. You don't see all the good things that we do, even on a small hometown basis. You know, there's a lot of good things being done by Christians on a large-scale basis. Um, the world is a better place, honestly, because of the disciples of Jesus. If it wasn't for Christians and the things that we do, the world would be a whole lot better. It would be a whole lot worse than what it is now. So, number 12, why do you think Christianity and science are incompatible? I, of course, don't. I believe that science proves that there is a God and that uh, Christianity is true. There's been a lot of good Christian scientists out there. So, of course, that's a blanket statement that does not... Uh... Now, science does believe that it's incompatible. You know, Christians believe that um, science is compatible with Christianity. So, number 13, why are we adamant about our own religious freedoms but get upset over other faiths' religious freedoms. Now, I don't know of any Christians that get upset over the fact that other faiths have religious freedoms. But as Christians, we must speak up for when things are wrong. You know what I'm saying? We're going to have to speak out. And so some other faiths do things that are wrong. Do we take away their religious freedoms? Of course not. We live in a country with laws. Those laws say those people are free to worship as they please. You know, our role as Christians is to be there, to teach them about Jesus, and when their heart softens and they want to know the truth, to be there for them, to let them know the truth. So we all have the same religious freedom, you know, but not all religious freedoms are the same. Number 14. Is showing my friends love and grace not allowed to speak for itself? So in essence, they're saying, why must I... Um, preach to my friends or tell my friends about Jesus can't my life just do it yes your very first witness should be the life you lead and the words you speak um, but yes your life the way they see it and the way you live your life should be your first witness but at some point you've got to speak because Jesus asked us to share our faith and to share what's right and wrong if you don't if you see uh, your friends falling into to darkness and doing things that you know are going to hurt them, why would you not speak anyway? Yeah, of course they're going to say, hey, you know, I don't need your Jesus, I don't need your Christianity, but at least you were there for them. And whenever they were at the bottom of the barrel looking up, you'll be there with a hand to lift them back up again. You know, they'll know that you love them enough to speak truth to them. So don't let your friends fall by the wayside and say, hey, my, uh, the life I live is, is witness enough. You know, don't do that. Number 15, why do we have a church on every block but we can't work together? You know, to that one I'm going to say amen. I'm not a fan of denominations and things like that. I wish we were all like the first century church, but we're all sinful humans, you know. 
I'm lucky to live in a uh, an area of South Carolina that the churches here, no matter the denomination, actually do work together. They get together on Thanksgiving and on Christmas. Um, they have charities that work together. I know that's not the norm, and I wish it was. So that was a very good question. Now, number 16 is an interesting one because it says the church is full of sexism, racism, and homophobia. And they use the verse Galatians 3.28, and they say that that tells us that uh, none of that stuff matters because there's neither Jew nor Greek nor male nor female. Um, and so none of those things that they just listed matters. Well, you know, I'm going to tell you this, that Galatians 3.28, that's taken out of context because what's that saying is Jesus is here for all of us, whether you're Jew or Greek, male or female, you know, in the family of Christ, there is no differentiating between those. You know, we're all one body. That's what that's talking about. That's not saying that uh, homophobia doesn't matter or homosexuality doesn't matter or anything like that. You know, you've got to take the Bible as a whole. You need to read your whole Bible so that you know what's going on. Um, Galatians 3.28 does not say that. You know, it does say that we should treat each other equally. Um, but you're going to have to read your Bible and hear what it says about you know, continuous sin. How many times did Paul and even Jesus in Revelations say you must remove the sin from amongst you? You know, God says be holy because I am holy. So that stuff does matter. Okay, number 17. Now that's a hard one, I'm going to tell you. Um, it says the Old Testament, uh, the people had multiple wives and we blow that off as cultural context. But now, nowadays times, we say that marriage must be strictly one man and one woman and i want to tell you uh, right now that uh god never sanctioned a man to have multiple wives you know he created eve for adam he didn't create multiple eves or two eves um he didn't create a man for adam neither did he create eve first and create another woman for her you know he created one man and one woman and they worked together you know that's how god always intended it Multiple wives and things like that is a is man's institution, um, such as slavery. You know, people blame that on God as well, but uh, that was instituted by man. You know, it's God that every seven years would set the slaves free. Um, you know, He set us up to to run this planet, to run the world. He said, "Look, have dominion over it." And there's some rules and some laws that we make that are not fair, and that uh, you know God Himself would not enact, but He gave us dominion. So, uh, we're our own worst enemies in a lot of ways. Let's see. Question number... Let's see what the next question is. So, why does di my diverse group of friends make me less of a Christian? You know, I I'm going to say it doesn't. I have atheist friends. I have friends that, are, that see nothing wrong with homosexuality. Um, but my inner circle of friends... Um, have the same beliefs that I have. They, uh, I think there's a reason um, that Jesus chose the disciples that he did, his inner circle that he could go to to teach um, and to have fellowship with. You know, and even if you read 1 Corinthians 15.33, um, it's quoted there that bad company corrupts good morals. You know, you've always heard the old saying, you, you are who you hang out with, you are who your friends are, you know. Um, if you've got friends that have no intention of ever getting saved or coming to Jesus and things like that, there's no way that you're going to change them. 
Well, I guarantee you their acts and habits are going to change you. The more you hang out with them, the more you'll be uh, sanitized to what they do and the less it'll bother you to eventually you're doing those same things. You know, the Bible says for us to be um, in the world but not of the world. You, you've got to be amongst the, the, the drug dealers, the homosexuals, uh, the wife beaters, the murderers. You know, how else are they going to hear about Jesus? But you can't wear that, that clothes yourself. You can't bring that home yourself. Be very careful on who your inner circle of friends are. Number, let's see, the next one is, why are LGBT Christians as less than? Okay, I'm going to start off by saying lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexuals um, are not Christians. We've got to get that out of our heads. Someone actively practicing these things have not accepted Jesus into their heart. You know, if they've repented and come and been saved and are going to heaven, yes, they may have those urges as time goes on, you know, to actually be attracted to someone. But you fight those urges, you do not actively pursue those things. So I'm assuming this question is talking about active, you know, homosexuality and things like that. You know, that's not the Christian way to be. You're not less than, um, but you're also not where you need to be. You know what I'm saying? I can see a Christian who has homosexual tendencies, that has that urge and that attraction, fighting it um, for all their lives and uh, trying to please the Lord by not, you know, pursuing that. I cannot see, nor would I see, uh, I can see God accepting someone that is actively pursuing a homosexual lifestyle and thinking it's okay and that they are a Christian. You know, no one is less than, we're all sinners, you know. But we should not actively chase sin. Next question is grace and forgiveness we receive, um, but we can't can't extend it to other people. Of course we can. Just because you've encountered people that don't doesn't mean that Christians do not. Um, now, the thing is, you can. The Bible says you are to forgive your brother whenever he comes to you seventy times seven. He comes to you ask for forgiveness, then you are to forgive him. Well, what if that brother? Is not, does not ask for forgiveness. You know, you can forgive them in your own heart, but if they never come to ask forgiveness themselves, then it's hard for them to get it. You know, and forgiveness means, hey, I'm sorry. You know, I'm not going to do that again. Well, I forgive you. But they do it again. And they come to you and say, I'm sorry, I won't do that again. Well, look, you forgive them. You know, Jesus said 70 times 7. But if they do something to you, and they never say, I'm sorry, they never talk about repentance or anything like that, then... You can forgive them in your own heart and move on, but they'd never receive uh, forgiveness. So we do, as we are as Christians, supposed to, to offer grace and forgiveness to everyone. Um, it talks about, so the next question is, how can you say love the sinner and hate the sin? That still makes people feel less than. Um, you know, I, I tell my family members all the time, those that, look, I, I love you, but I, I don't like what you're doing now. I hate what you're doing now. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting the people around you. It's the same concept here. Um, God himself loves us, but he hates the things that we do. He hates sin. He cannot stand it. He can't be around it. It cannot be here. That's why he turned his back on his only son on the cross. You know, because sin, he cannot be. He's a holy God, and he calls for us to be holy. So we must hate sin. We must hate it. Um... In the Bible, it talks about running like a gazelle from sin. So you got to hate it. 
Um, but that doesn't mean that you cannot love the person that's perpetuating the sin. Um, you must love them enough to tell them the truth, actually. If someone will not tell you the truth, they do not love you. Let's see, next question is, why judge my relationship with God off of a handful of statements I make? Um, I'm going to direct you to Matthew 15:18 at that point. Um, and Jesus does say, what's in the heart comes out of your mouth. In fact, um, your mouth is, uh, talks about is, is a grave. You know, it can cause death to other people. So your statements is what's in your heart. You know, so if you're a Christian here today that advocates homosexuality, um, then that's in your heart. And that is a sin. Next question is, why, as a Christian, do you tell me I must back up what I have to say, but you don't back up what you have to say? Uh, I agree with this statement. You know, Paul says we must be ready uh, to give an account. You know, and I'm going to say most people don't back up what they say because most people don't read their Bibles. Most Christians do not. They cannot back up what they say. They're just kind of repeating what their pastor says or their Bible study leader says. So this question is actually really true. You know, we require atheists and homosexuals and things like that to back up what they say, to have evidence and things like that. Yet we as Christians don't have that ourselves, you know, and that's because uh, we just don't read our Bibles. Neither do we pray or spend time with God, so we don't have, you know, the backup for those things. You know, so that's a good question, and that is steps on a lot of Christians' toes. And the last question here says, everyone's relationship with God is personal. How can you decide what makes me a good Christian? Okay, so that's actually a good question um, because, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work backwards. I'm going to go with the last one. How can you decide what makes me a good Christian? You know, other Christians um, really can't decide. You know, we're sinners ourselves. We can't decide what makes another person a good Christian. But the Word of God can. If the actions of someone that calls themselves a Christian does not mirror what the Bible says it should be, then yes, we can see. And say that that is not a good Christian. Um, so no, you should not be using it with your own opinions. The Bible should be saying that on its own. And then you can relay that information to your brother. Because if you love them, you tell them the truth. And lastly, the statement that everyone's relationship with God is personal. That is false. You know, that is false. Because your very first witness is the life that you live. So it's not personal. People are watching it. You know. God is watching to see if you're going to share and stand up for him. You know, he's always looking throughout the earth, seeing who is brave enough to speak out for him. In fact, Jesus called us in the Great Commission to be disciples and to go into all the world. So your relationship is not personal. Should you have a personal relationship with God? Yes. You should pray. You should do your devotions. You should read your Bible. You should have a relationship that you can feel God talking in your heart. But your relationship with God is not personal. You know, it should be shared with others. Now, in the end of the video, it talks about, it says, look, in the end, we should love one another. Um, and one thing I hear these type of Christians always saying is that God is love. And, and I'm going to, uh, and I'm going to have to agree with that God is love. But let me tell you that God's definition of love is not man's definition of love. You know, our love, man's love, is an emotional response that can change at any time. You know, 
God's definition of love is an action. You know what I'm saying? His action was sending his own son. His action was chasing us throughout uh, these thousands of years so that we may be redeemed back to him. You know what I'm saying? So a human's idea of love is something that you fall into, like a hole, or that you fall out of. You know, that's not true with God. He loves us always. You know, but we're going to have to show that we love him. So, I'm going to say God is love, but his love, his definition is not, you know, what ours is. And I'm going to give you a Bible verse here in just a second to kind of go with that. But I want to close here on the questions. Um, You know, as we can see from these questions, you know, true Christians must always guard their hearts from false teaching. The world and liberal media and BuzzFeed and fake Christians, honestly, you know, are going to mix emotion and they're going to give just enough truth into their lives that people are going to believe it. You know, so we're all, all, all going to have to guard our hearts. And how do we know the truth? Well, let me tell you, a recent study shows that around 75, maybe 80% of Christians do not read their Bibles. That's sad. That is sad. The only time you ever hear it is on Sunday. And they also don't pray. You know, what kind of relationship do you have with God if you don't read his word? Neither do you take time to spend some time with him. Call him on the phone. Prayer. You know, ask for his guidance. Ask for his wisdom. So we're falling for all kinds of stuff. You know, we're falling for this um, prosperity gospel. We're falling for all these false teachings, and it's our own fault. You know, there's so much falling away from the true beliefs of Jesus, it's, it's not even funny anymore. You know, and videos like this come out, and it actually is a debate. You know, it should be a laughing stock. People should be laughing about these things. But if 75% of our generation is not reading the Bibles nor praying, what does that say about the next generation, the people that's in this video? Not only are these the people that is going to be saying what Christianity is, they're also going to be the pastors and ministers that are teaching others what Christianity is, and they have a false view. You know, because they want to put their own opinions into the Word of God. Now I'm going to close with uh, Philippians 1.9. And the reason I want to close on this is because I hear this, God is love, all the time. Um, and that's how they, they, that's how they say that they can pretty much do anything. You know, because God is love. You know, homosexuality is okay because God is love. Um, all of these other things are okay because God is love. Let me read you this verse here and then I'm going to challenge you to look into it on your own. So Philippians 1, 9. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge. Okay, so there you go. Your love should always be growing in knowledge. And every kind of discernment. Okay, figure these things out. Look into it. So that you can determine what really matters and can be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. So it's not just about love, people. God is love. But you're going to have to figure out, you know, what's right and what's wrong so that you can be pure and blameless. When it all comes to when you're standing face to face with Jesus and you got to give an accounting for all the people that you led astray because you said that all of these bad things were right when they were actually wrong. So in the end, we got to know the truth. You know, the truth is going to set us free in the end because we're going to be free to be with God. So I hope you all have a good week. Um, 
I really enjoy these talks. Get on Facebook, get on iTunes, and check us out. We love y'all. God bless you. And I'll talk to you again soon. <music>